All right, we're live. Welcome to the Couch GM. I'm uh, Connor. I'm here today with two of the guys from the Marine Layer podcast, TJ Matthewson and Lyle Goldstein. So thank you both for joining me today. And uh, do you guys want to introduce yourself, your podcast, kind of what you do? I guess I'll yeah, go I'll first. Go. Yeah. Go ahead, TJ. I love this delay. <laughs> I'm TJ. Uh, nice to meet everyone. Connor, thanks so much for, for having us on. It's been uh, it's been a real pleasure. So Lyle and I got to start this podcast um, back in November. I think it was the week after the World Series. So we picked a really good time, you know, when there's been a bunch of baseball going on to start dedicating podcasts to mostly baseball. So we trudged through the off season and now we're, uh, you know, having a lot of fun that the season's kicked up, have a bunch of really fun content ideas. That's how we met at the ballpark. We we're in the pen yeah. look, just looking to, to get some social media content. And Lau and I are looking around. It's like, wait, <laughs> I've seen that dude before on my TikTok feed. And then you walked over to us and it's like, how about that? It's a, it's a small world out here, but it's been a ton of fun. So I live down in Corvallis. My, my day job includes, uh, doing some broadcast work covering Oregon state for a radio station down here, which is a ton of fun, but uh, our venture leads us into doing a little bit more Mariner stuff, which I don't get to do as much of uh, in my day job, despite being in the Northwest, we do, we're more focused on college. So this is my outlet for, for major league baseball, which is, which is a blast. And it's been a ton of fun over the last, I don't know, five months now and looking forward to many more. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm Lyle. I mean, I guess you can see it right there on the screen. But yeah, we've kicked off this thing for a few months now. And um, TJ and I had talked about doing this for a while. I guess we finally found the time and kind of the outlook we wanted to have on this podcast. And yeah, it's been a blast so far just to kind of sit and talk Mariners once a week, get to know some other people in the community like you, Connor. It was funny. Like, I mean, it was it was kind of a cool thing for us because we'd been doing this podcast through the whole offseason. And when we ran into you at the game, it was funny, like we recognized you, but you also kind of recognized us. And that was the first kind of moment for us. Where we're like, oh, like maybe people are actually kind of seeing our stuff, which is really cool. And, yeah. and now we're sitting here doing this. So, yeah, it's it's been a blast so far. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's weird how things work in the algorithms because and that's why it's smart to, you know, spread or cross post across YouTube and TikTok and Instagram Reels and all these different platforms, because you don't know which platform someone's going to see you on. So as I've, I've seen you guys on TikTok, you know, Marine Layer podcast uh, popped up a few times. And, and yeah, I was doing the interview with <clears throat> Rooftop Mariner there. And then uh, I noticed you guys. And yeah, that's cool. So. Yeah. yeah so no, let's get into uh, the Mariner season. What do you guys think so far? It's been chaos the past few days, especially this Cubs series. The Garden series was was crazy. But there's some positive that you could take away from it also some negative depending on how you look at it but what are your guys guys' thoughts on the season so far it's kind of funny because now i don't think you could say like everything's gone right because not like not a whole lot necessarily if you think about it has gone exactly the way they planned and still like <clears throat> you know you're sitting here <clears throat> excuse me oh my goodness still sitting here at what, five and eight right after a, a, a pretty bad series with the Cubs and we were joking around before we came on, it's like, would the content have just been better if they had lost and had lost four in a row going into this? But I was like, well, they still did play the three previous games before today when, you know, Jared Koenig gets a 482 foot home run, but the three games before were pretty excruciating and exposed a, a couple flaws in, in the Mariners system and, and how they expect to win games this year, especially 
the bullpen, which is supposed to be excellent in tight games, which really hasn't been excellent in tight games. And Matt Brash has been kind of shaky over the last week. Guy that kind of need to rely on this year. Most of what we could take away, though, is that it's just early in the season. And those guys eventually, you would hope, would stabilize over the course of the season. I will say, though, this roster can't really sustain all that much injury and attrition, especially in the lineup. We've kind of seen it a little bit on the bottom third of the lineup. I know not everyone's bottom of the third of the lineup is good, but that spot, especially without Dylan Moore, is uh, it's pretty tough. So I think that's just a couple of things we've we've seen here early, and and losing Robbie Ray stinks. And we we saw the the bit of the the drop off to Chris Flexen yesterday in game two, where it was just it was just a disaster. It really was. So it, it just a quick synopsis, but overall just kind of, just kind of early a little bit, and still trying to evaluate what we've seen. Shaking some of the rust off from the off season and spring training. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess. So obviously we try to be a little bit more sane than some of the people you see on Twitter. And I'm sure you see it too, Connor. I mean, yeah. people that every loss, they want to declare the season over. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that the last three games that they've lost have been any fun. In fact, they lost them in pretty. All three so that lead they blew yesterday, but maybe that paints a little bit of a bigger picture. We talked about this a little bit, TJ and I is, I think they're just going to have to find ways to win games by two plus runs a lot more this year, because it's almost impossible for a bullpen to be as elite to be an elite bullpen two years in a row to do it three years in a row is almost unheard of because the Mariners bullpen was elite in 21 and in 22, they can still be good. They can still be a top 10 to 12 bullpen. I just don't know if you can rely on them to be a top three bullpen again. So then it falls more on the offense. And that's kind of what I've taken away so far. For sure. And especially when you get Munoz going down, it sounds like it's not going to be a long-term thing that he's just kind of taking a break uh, with his surgery this off season. He was slow worked through the spring. So now he's getting back to being fully healthy. So get him back in. Uh, yeah. Hopefully Robbie's injury isn't too, too bad in that he comes back relatively quickly because he looked like nails the spring and like, you know, with the velocity back up, looking like his former Cy Young self and with that new splitter, everyone has a new splitter this year. But, but yeah, as you guys were talking to with injuries, the uh, rotation, especially there was no injuries last year at all with the starting rotation. And that's um, very unheard of. So hopefully we can keep that somewhat limited, limited. Um, but yeah. If we just dissect the bullpen, like like just think about it objectively, right? For for the the group to be top ten, and we could take Munoz out of it because he's on the shelf right now. You're looking at it; it's like, okay, can this group be top ten with um, Diego Castillo being slightly inconsistent as he is at times in his career? With Matt Brash has been you know shaky over the last week, right? And his stuff has kind of deteriorated a little bit, and he hasn't been that nails high leverage guy you want him to be i mean paul seawald's velocity is down a couple ticks noticeably in his outings to start this season maybe it's just early in the season for him but you know he could also be got, getting up there in age a little bit and everyone else after that pen murphy's walking like 25 percent of the batters he's faced matt fest has already been sent down because he was walking over 30 percent of the batters he's faced and i can keep going i mean trevor gott and justin topa are good but good at, like the that group combined that's not like good enough for a top 10 bullpen Right. Like, I don't think so. How do you guys think the uh, potential minor minor leaguers might contribute to the bullpen? Because, I mean, we saw Prelander Baroa 
there's Bryce Miller who's still in the rotation and I, I'd love to see him be a starter, but there's always talk of, do you move them to the bullpen? Is that where you need them this year? So with Bryce Miller, I always look at it like this. When Dustin May and Julio Urias came up for the Dodgers, those guys started in the bullpen. They just got them up to the big leagues because they were one of the best arms in the entire system. They found a way to get them some innings. And then when the time came, everything kind of sorted itself out and they found their way into the rotation. I feel like one way or another, that's eventually going to happen with Bryce Miller. And maybe you see the Mariners do something similar where they bring him up, start him in the bullpen. And once they're ready and once they feel like he's ready, they could slot him in. But I do wonder between Miller and Baroa who would be first. Because just off like prospect-wise, you would think it would be Miller. But if you really need a reliever, I feel like Baroa would be the first guy. Yeah, same. Um, I did a player profile on Baroa. And one thing that stood out was, I mean, mainly he's a two to three pitch pitcher, max, fastball, slider. He's got to change up. Bryce Miller has, you know, four pitches. Um, also, the command with the walk rate that Baroa has, he definitely profiles more for the bullpen from what I've seen compared to Bryce Miller, who has the better command and can go five, six innings. So, yeah, I think Baroa, you could throw him in the bullpen tomorrow and he would be able to get guys out pretty easily. You saw him against the Padres in spring training his first time out getting, I think, Xander Bogarts, Nelson Cruz, and one other guy. So, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd be a little nervous just throwing bro in there first. If I'm going to be honest, I honestly would rather see Miller in there. I mean, if they could, the realistically, they could want Bryce Miller to continue starting and think that's better for his development. And they'd want to flip bro over to the bullpen faster. Maybe a little bit like they did with Edwin Diaz when Edwin Diaz was like a middling prospect, pretty much. I, I don't even think he was a top 100 guy. They, they flip him to the bullpen. He comes up that year. And he's all of a sudden dominant. It's just kind of a different profile than again with Baroa. Um, he was like okay. I think he started today or yesterday in Double A, and he was okay. He was just okay. Um, but overall, like those issues that he has in the minor leagues at the Double A level gets expedited once he gets to the big leagues. I mean, sure. remember, like the Mariners have the probably the nastiest guy in all of baseball, and Matt Brash in their bullpen, who has average to slightly below average command and control. And it shows like it gets a little rocky for a guy who's already had some big league experience, let alone a guy that you're going to call up raw, who's never pitched in the big leagues and thinking he could get some big outs for you. It's like, well, I don't know if I, I could guarantee that I, I would be, I'd be a little nervous watching that, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just want to get him a little bit more work in double a first and he's still getting stretched out as a starter right now in the minors, which makes sense. It's easier to convert him to being a reliever than it is to convert a reliever to being a starter. But I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't once some time passes here, you know, give Barrow another few weeks. You know, I wouldn't be shocked to see him up by I'll say June mid-June I mean again if he's really pitching that well in Arkansas you've seen that guys don't always need the stop in AAA anymore especially if you're playing in the PCL so I feel like if Burrell is really lighting it up in AA yeah we could see him up in the bullpen so who are you taking out of the bullpen then I guess it's tough to say right now I mean I don't I don't want to go off of you know you don't want to make conclusions too early but man, I mean, I have not been very impressed with what we've seen out of Diego Castillo so far. And, you know, he's been shaky at times in past years where he just doesn't always have great command and he lets a lot of guys on base. He doesn't always hold runners on well, but 
you know, to start this year, it's it's been a little worse than usual. Yeah, but could, would would it ever get to the point, guys, where they get rid of him? I, I that's hard. It's hard to yeah, see. Yeah, I don't know. Diego Castillo. Yeah, he is a guy where the new rules like affect him the worst. A, he doesn't work fast. B, already doesn't control hold runners and control the running game, and now it's easier than ever for guys to steal bases. So it's just kind of it's just kind of funny how that works, where it's just it's directly against him. Yeah. And kind of working off that with Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen both being in there when Robbie Ray comes back, you know, how do you, how do you restructure? I know they called up, I think it was Gabe Spear who they called up. Um, You know, it's a a lot of people expected Flexen and Marco or one one or the other to be moved this off season. Does that still happen during the season to get a bat potentially? No. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially like it has already proven how worth it it was to have Flexen on the roster. It took two games. It didn't even actually, sorry, it didn't even take two games, right? For 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 Robbie Ray to come out and go like mm, something's wrong, right? And good thing we have Flexen who's already there to throw uh, to throw four innings out of the bullpen that first night that Robbie Ray pitched. And then after that, he's ready to go right away. So it it's it just I have a really hard time thinking they're going to take him off especially when you have two younger guys in the rotation who might hit a wall at some point and will be taking decent jumps and innings again this year for what they've done in their past. Yeah. I think my thing too, is we've always just wished and wished for the Mariners to have rotation depth like this, right? Remember in 2017 when they racked up all those injuries, Hey, even back when Drew Smiley was on the Mariners. Now he never threw a pitch, but they had so many injuries that year. And I remember they were throwing guys out there who nobody even recognized We're now, yeah, it sucks to lose Robbie Ray, but the fact you have Flexen, who is a big league proven starter to slot in there, I feel like they're going to hold on to those guys for now. I mean, even when Ray comes back, I feel like they just put one of those guys in the bullpen. If I had to guess and move, probably move Flexen back. Yeah. Just because it's really nice to have that depth. I know Flexen didn't look great on Tuesday, but like even in 2021, when they had to throw Robert Duggar out there and use openers, like, you know, I don't know about you guys. I don't know if I want to go back to that or not. No, for sure. And yeah, it, he's definitely shown the value for sure with uh, being able to get back in there. And I mean, last year he was great. He was solid. Um, but yeah, it's just one blow up against the Cubs, I guess. So. Mm-hmm. Let's go to uh, hitters, I guess, or let's okay. take a look at the lineup. Um, lower half, lower third of the lineup is batting. Like, uh, let's see here. Hummels, 111. He was DH today. Colton Wong was 105. JP Crawford, 209. I mean, Teoscar's at 216, but, you know, just getting some rust off. Kind of, what do you think the lineup looks like in, in the next few weeks, a month moving forward? Like Lau and I have talked about this a little bit about what they're going to do with the DH. They're not going to let the DH struggle all season. They they like the versatility of it now, but if it continues to struggle, I mean, you just can't continue to to trot out essentially what is Tommy Lastella and Cooper Hummel, especially a struggling Cooper Hummel in that spot. If it goes along, I'm willing to give Cooper Hummel a tiny bit more of a leash he had a really good spring training they're a little bit high on him there's some peripherals they like he's also pretty versatile in the field so you kind of say all right oh 
give him a few more at bats, but man, they're just spinning. I need to go back and watch some more of his at bats, but they're he's he's not making much contact, and he's definitely not making much hard contact early, which is a trouble was trouble, and even more trouble is the fact that Tommy Lastella is actually getting DH DH reps. I, I I know he wasn't supposed to be on the roster, but it. So when they roll out the, an opening day lineup with Tommy Lastella in it, it's just kind of kind of annoying, right? Like it's almost a position you know, like needs to hit a little bit, and you know your DHs were awful, just so awful last year. And then the name of versatility, sometimes willing to take below average offensive performance. I just I don't really see that. I don't see the value in that. And it could eventually come back to hurt the Mariners in terms of them lengthening lengthening their lineup. So I don't know. And then we get, let's just start with DH. I don't need to ramble on about the other two spots in the bottom third of the lineup. And I'll, I'll let you guys talk a little bit about that. Let me throw you a question here, Connor, because TJ and I have talked about this a bit. I'm not, what I'm about to say, I'm not saying this is the right uh, tactic, so to speak. I'm not saying this is the right approach, but just the fact that this is the solution they have for DH and for seemingly the foreseeable future, even when Dylan Moore comes back, you're probably going to see a lot of these guys still get at bats. Do you think the reason they didn't really address this position is because they're trying to not kind of they're not trying to block Shohei Otani if they go after him next winter? Like I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but it just feels like, you know, why in the world else did they not go get another bat even on a one two year deal to try and just help deepen this lineup? Like that's the only thing I can come up with. I mean, like, is uh, Michael Conforto not yeah. the is Michael Conforto not the, like the perfect solution to that spot? Is he not? Right, he's just sitting there on the free agent market and signed yeah. a two-year deal. Yeah, oh, it's true. Yeah, their inability to get some of those guys that could have really helped. And I mean, you guys saw that they have they had the highest profit out of any you know MLB team, so they have the money. I the the argument that they're saving for Otani, or and you know they didn't sign someone to a one-year deal in order to help get Otani. I don't think that's the reasoning for it, but. Yeah, I do question a little bit why they didn't sign one more guy or two more guys that could really make an impact versus, you know, uh, just, Tom Murphy. It's kind of hard to guys. sign. It's just kind of hard to sign guys to get to get some guys here. To be honest, like mm -hmm. that's that's what it is. It's it's a question of roster building. Mary, maybe the Mariners didn't think that uh, weren't a big believer in how healthy Michael Conforto is. We I don't. What was it shoulder surgery last year? I'm not yeah. sure, but maybe they, so. they took a look at some medicals there and like, mm, yeah, I don't I, I don't know if I'd be comfortable giving Michael Conforto two years. I don't think anything's a real question about saving up for Shohei. I don't think there's really any. The only way they're not saving, they're not blatantly saving for Shohei Otani is if they sign like two of the shortstops. Like that's it. Because again, we know and they know that Shohei Otani essentially pays for himself. With, with whatever contract he's going to bring and all the jersey sales and all the television dollars and all that stuff pays for itself. So I think that that question gets thrown out, out like out the window. So I, don't, okay. I, I just don't, I don't, I, I'm not sure that's entirely like realistic that you, you tank one position for the chance right. at signing Shohei Otani. And, and I don't think that's what it is either. I just think, like, I wonder if that's why they didn't sign one of these bats this offseason to like a three-year deal again why they didn't sign somebody to a one-year deal i don't know but that does that does just kind of get my brain going a little bit of okay is this the reason they didn't sign somebody to like a three or four-year deal because they 
they need that DH spot if they're serious about getting them next year. But you're, you're, I mean, you guys are right. Like this is a year where they have a chance to make a run in the American league and, you know, to make a playoff run, just like they did last year. They're going for it this year. Like, yeah, I don't think they're tanking a position. I just, I do wonder if somewhere they're thinking Good question and, here from yeah. uh, from Alex Hunter. Just yeah. want to want to throw this in there because speaking of a potential DH, when do we consider putting Colton Wong in the Sean Figgins territory? Thankfully, Colton Wong. What was the contract Figgins signed? It was like six years. Was the number one free agent on the market. Thankfully, Colton Wong was not the number one free agent on the market. And to be honest, I think Colton Wong's already been better than Sean Figgins. <laughs> look up what that contract was i'm trying to remember oh yeah it was, was four it years for 90 oh. no it, it wasn't that much here it is it's four years 36 million which i mean to be fair back then was a lot of money for a free agent it just doesn't seem like that much now <sighs> look colton wong has not been great so far to start right and that might be underselling it what i'm buying with colton wong is he has been a really consistent bat for basically three of his last four full seasons, even last year when his defense deteriorated a little bit, he was still swinging the bat. Well, and like he profiles much better than somebody like Adam Frazier did. So I'm really, really hoping and more so buying that this is just a slow start and he's going to start to turn things around, but they need it quickly. And and this second base position offensively has not been kind to them since they let go. Let's not forget that Sean Figgins was also like kind of a bad dude. So that, like something we can say that Colton Wong is most definitely not. Yeah. If you want to go, uh, go, was it, I forget if it was Divish who talked a little bit about Colton Wong. Was it Lyle? Do you remember exactly who it was? Or was that? Oh no, that was I a, I think that was an off the record conversation that we had. <laughs> Never mind. So I will, I'll, but we, we have heard from, from some, some people how he, uh, how he was and he wasn't uh he let's just say he would fit right in from the uh what was that probably the 08 to 2012 mariners just perfectly right yeah right in personality with would right in with milton bradley yeah <laughs> yes yeah no but yeah with colton wong last year he had i mean a 251 batting average 15 home runs 47 rbis and uh 17 stolen bases and then thinking back to his days with the Cardinals, he won back-to-back gold gloves, 19 and 20. You'd think the combination of, you know, Perry Hill plus, you know, uh, a resurgence of his Colton's defense, they could make an interesting, uh, you know, middle infield, him and JP. But then, yeah, the question just comes down to if they can get their bats going. So, so the question I propose, do you take that? Do you take Abe Toro or do you take Adam Frazier? Oh. Probably that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Do yeah, do do we really need to hear Abe Toro's name like ever again? <laughs> How's he doing? Look, I'm honestly curious. Let me I'm look. gonna look up Winker also. I think Jesse's actually doing on. pretty good. Yeah, I know. I you know that that situation for Jesse really isn't all that bad, to be honest. It's like it it's a hitter's park in a in a division with not so great pitching and and good hitters ballparks as well. Not just, not just uh, American family fields. It's also, you know, that PNC parks, a good hitters park. Um, great American ballparks are great hitters park. Obviously he knows it very well. Right. So it, it's like, it's not a terrible situation for him. So I wouldn't be too surprised. He actually like hits pretty well this year and he's 
also probably healthier than he was last year on the Mariners. Yeah, the, the best pitcher in his division, Winker doesn't have to face this year because he's on his own team. Which, yeah, how about the Brandon two Winker best? And Corbin Burns. Yeah, or both yeah. those guys. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. But oh, actually, I don't think Toro's even in the big leagues. He didn't make the roster. Oh, he's not. Yeah. Training, right? Yeah. Not. Oh, you can check his triple A's, And he started 32 entire games at DH last year, which is just an atrocity. An absolute <laughs> atrocity. Uh, looks like Winker's batting uh, like 308 so far, 772 yeah. OPS in yeah eight games. No yeah, more I wouldn't be the, I wouldn't be that shocked if he has some type of bounce back year. It was just pretty clear it, it wasn't going to work here. I mean, here here's another question for you, Connor. Have you seen some of the discourse on Twitter with people calling Tay Oscar just another Jesse Winker? I mean, how much of that have you had to scroll through? We've seen a lot yeah. of it. I hate that too. I mean. He's a true impact bat that he, he could be the four hitter if he really comes to it. And then what surprised me is his defense that I've seen the past week, mm-hmm. because I've, I saw or a couple of people from the, you know, uh, blue Jays fandom commented on my player profile of him about how bad his defense is and he doesn't hustle and this type of stuff. But I've seen none of that. I've seen him make some plays that looked awkward just because it's a tough play. And then he's thrown out a guy at second. Um, I've seen some really good things. He's got some pretty good range. I mean, besides that ball he dropped, which he should have caught, and he would probably tell you he should have caught. And most coaches would stare at that on film and say, yeah, he should have caught it. He got there in time. The ball was hit his glove and didn't catch it. But overall, like his, he's not Jesse Winker in the outfield. That's for sure. That, like, that's the bar. That's no essentially way. like he had to clear like a decent bit above that. But the decent like bit of bar above that is like also a bad defender. So and he's cleared that bar immensely, which is which is nice and very refreshing to see uh, three competent outfielders in the outfield most times. I still, I mean, I still can't believe some of the stuff Jesse Winker did this year. Like this man would let the ball roll through his legs in the corner. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that, I, I mean. Th- there was there was plays like that. Like I remember that play in Kansas City last year with that ball in the left field corner that just had me irate. But he just like he took awful angles on the ball. Sometimes it looked like he was jogging out there, and maybe part of that was injuries. But yeah, like Tay Oscar. I mean, not only has he shown some decent range so far, but he's got a good arm. Like I mean, that's Winker didn't have a good arm, so that's a difference right there in itself. <laughs> and uh, to speak was to that this play comment, in Kansas City the one he got benched. Yeah, it was after that he got benched. Yeah, he got, yeah. God, incredible. To, to speak to this comment real quick, uh, Jesse, Jesse Winker looks like he's running on stilts in left field. I mean, uh, Jesse Winker, I looked up his percentile ranking. He's got a two a second percentile sprint speed. Teoscar Hernandez is 86th. So, I mean, they're not oh, even wow. comparable at all. Yeah. 86, that's yeah, pretty good. And that's out of the box. That's not in the field, but still plays to both. Yeah. Okay. While we're waiting here, and but actually, we got a uh, we got one Twitter question, so I can I can uh, pull that up here in a second. But I gotta say, because I looked up Toro's minor league numbers, it's been nine games in Nashville. He's hitting 156 with a 458 OPS. Unbelievable. <laughs> Again, how many games did he start at DH last year? And like, how many times did you have to open your phone three hours before the game, see the lineup, and just say, "What the bleep? Like, what is this?" <laughs> I think everyone in America can see this guy cannot hit the ball. <laughs> and for the sake of versus, which I think this right here shows the flaw 
in the the ideology of having a versatile DH spot because out of the name of versatility, you're you know you're just putting guys there because you're like oh we're just going to rotate guys through there. Well, it just so happens you rotate the worst player on your roster in there thirty two times in a season, and <laughs> you have to watch that. And it's 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 just awful. Yeah, I remember I, hit. Eskold. I do remember that interview. I remember hearing after he was. I think his exact words are like that play has to be made. Boom, done. Yeah, you know, you don't see Scott get outwardly mad in many interviews. There's been twice now, at least in recent memory that I can remember. It was after that game in Kansas City where Winker misplayed that ball and he was just fed up with his defense. And funny enough, just the other day after Matt Festa couldn't find the plate, he got asked about Festa and, and Scott didn't beat around the bush. He was like, he's not throwing strikes. It's it's not good enough right now. The next day he was sent down. And it's it's funny. You usually don't see guys sent down that quickly, especially this early in the year. Clearly, they thought they need that Festa needs to work on his command. But I wasn't totally shocked to see the move after the way Scott responded to that question because he did not seem happy with the way Festa was uh, pitching out of relief in those first few outings. And yeah, they clearly think he has some things to work on because yeah, Scott was not happy. And he usually isn't that mad in interviews. And it's probably a good thing that Topa was sitting down there and they they did like what they saw from Topa in spring, which makes that decision a little bit easier. They don't see as much of a drop off there. And Topa has been pretty good. He pitched well again today, right? So that's a decision you can make. And you still expect, though, Matt Festa to come back up and contribute to your major league roster this year. But yeah, Scott's Scott's pretty mellow headed. I think that was our biggest beef with him. Lyle and I went to college together and throughout the college, that was, that was our thing. What was your thing with him? Lyle, you were just like, he always just, just like, yeah, it, it just, it just felt like, I don't know, just a little bit of a lack of flair. And now all of a sudden over the last couple of years, it's like, as the Mariners have started to get better, I feel like his energy has just kind of picked up a little bit, which I like. I mean, I'm not saying he should get thrown out of the game all the time, but I, I you know, I do like that he can toe the line sometimes. I just remember last <clears throat> last year during uh, April when Julio was getting that super wide strike zone that mm -hmm. when he finally went out and shoot out an ump, that was mm -hmm. awesome to see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and so then I think, Julio I think got every going. Mariners fan wanted to do that. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> please. For real. Um, here, if you want uh, me to pull get up this, this comment, like tan fam up here, I think. This oh yeah. But good thing. Good thing to add. Good thing to, we can do that. And then I'll pull up the, our uh, Twitter question. We got on our oh, that one. Account. Yeah, oh, here it is. Oh, I didn't realize I could click on these. How about that? Need another pitcher and a hitter. That's a big ask trade for Otani and we can actually win. Okay. Um, so I think the <laughs> third part of this is impot. Like, okay, here's how this Otani trade it would go. Um, what two big leaguers you would say, right? Because it's not only going to be prospects. First, to start off, the Mariners wouldn't have the prospects to trade for him flat out. I mean, Harry Ford's your best prospect that takes them out of the discussion instantly, unless the Angels are truly desperate to to trade him. Like you're trading big leaguers off your roster, and I'm, I would just ask anyone who's listening or and both of you, which big leaguer are you trading off this roster? You can't like, yeah, especially because there's a couple things with this, right? Number one, you'd be trading an absolute haul to a team in your division who has proven incompetent of winning over the last decade. So you'd be giving them a ton of reimbursements moving forward. Number two, it's for half a, 
it's for half a year of Shohei Otani, which again, it's half right. a year of the best player on the planet. But if you're serious about getting him, just go sign him in the winter. Give him a blank check. I don't care what they pay him. Like he is worth every penny. But you can't give up. Like if I'm just going to make shift a trade package here, like Harry Ford, Bryce Miller. I don't know if you have to give somebody up off the big league roster. Is it, is it going to cost like Ty France and Matt Brash too? Like if you throw those four guys in for Otani, like maybe that does it. That's a lot the Mariners are giving up for half a year of Otani. And I was going to say Kelnick is probably in there also yeah. with, with him being yeah. in the talks for Brian Reynolds as mm-hmm. one of the centerpieces. That's, I, yeah, I don't right. think the Mariners, to this comment here, I don't think the Mariners could even trade their entire farm system and get him. Like they could trade every single one of their top 30 prospects and I think still not land Shohei Otani. And they have three like, of the like, top 30 serious. picks this upcoming draft, but still, yeah. Right. I'm dead serious. I don't, I don't think that would be enough because they don't have the blue chip guys in there anymore. Ooh, under over under four and a half Scott service tosses this. I'd have to say under just, yeah. Yeah. Has he ever, has he ever had more than four and a half in a season? I feel like it's usually like two or three. Yeah. I don't recall how many he had the past few years, but I don't remember any because it's not, it doesn't really happen. So. Yeah, it's it's usually an extenuating circumstance that happens. Like he's he's no Bobby Cox. Let's put it like that. I really hope Kelnick finishes with a higher wins above replacement than Reynolds. That would be amazing. I'm gonna let Lyle comment on this first. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So Connor, maybe we haven't covered this. Um, like I told me in briefly. Okay. Yeah. I I'm like I've been a total Kelnick believer from the day we made the trade. Like I like I never sold the stock any of that stuff. So Brian Reynolds is off to a good start too this year, but yeah, I mean, Hey, to be fair, Reynolds was good last year. I think his war finished around about two and a half. I mean, what TJ and I talked about for what a successful year would look like for Jared as a whole, even if he puts up Cal Raleigh's exact slash line from last year, if he hits 210 and puts up a WRC plus of like 122, which is 22% above league average, even if he doesn't hit for a high average, it, it can still be a successful year with the power and the defense he plays. So it's tough to say for sure he's going to finish with a higher war than Reynolds just because Reynolds is more proven. Although, I mean, if we want to get into Kelnick here in the next couple of minutes, we can because he's lighting the world on fire. But it's just hard to say for certain, yeah, he's going he's gonna to do it. And Brian Reynolds still has the advantage of playing center field too, which gives which bumps you up a little bit in war. So, and a switch hitter like, off the bat. That's that's pretty hard. Yeah, he switch hits too. Kelnick's not gonna not gonna get as quite as many at bats because Brian Reynolds is gonna play every day. And I believe Jared Kelnick for probably at least two months of this season, the first two months of the season, will not be in the starting lineup against lefties. No matter no matter how hot he is, they're not they're not gonna ruin him by saying, okay, yeah, sure, uh, you're gonna start against Framber Valdez. It's like no, there there there's no benefit in doing that. So he's not gonna have those at bats to 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 have war and more is a cumulative stat so if you have less at bats you know it's less likely you might rack up as much war but it, hey if he plays like elite level defense which i don't think stack cast is too high on his defense yet but defensive numbers take a little bit to stabilize because you get fewer opportunities um the good defense might mean they're pretty close and lyle threw out the number two and a half last year for brian reynolds i mean successful to season this year for jared Kelnick is is two and a half. And from everything we've seen like this year already, I mean, 
that, like even if he cools off a bunch, that doesn't seem like too much of an ask. A good chunk of the productive Mariners players last year were between two and three wins last year, so you'd fit right in that in that mark. I guess if you go war over one sixty two, it's it could be possible. I mean, yeah, if you just take Kelnick's numbers against righties, I mean, I, I mean, again, especially the way he's now playing, I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna say never all of a sudden just because he can keep anything like this up. You know, sign me right up. But to the point of he's not going to play every day, I mean, this is the whole reason they even brought A.J. Pollock in, right? I mean, you guys can attest to this, but A.J. Pollock's career storyline is he crushes left-handed pitching. So he was like the perfect platoon guy. Yeah, and I would think that Kelnick would have to continue, I mean, not hitting a home run every day, but continue these solid plate appearances with hard contact against these righties for the next, at least through April, until they start maybe giving him a, a spot start against the lefty also. But if, if he could become an everyday player that makes the, the look of this team, you know, definitely different because that means that he's performing how we expect him to. You know, it's funny. I, I got to get this out there for talking about the platoon here a little bit. Um, so I saw this on Twitter this week, again, just in, in the conversation of fans being a little bit off the rails. I'm not going to throw anybody on the, under the bus, but, there's an account out there on Twitter that put out the claim that the only reason AJ Pollock was ever signed was because <laughs> fans was because fans were complaining about not spending money, aka as if Jerry Depoto is just searching the Twitter web for what Mariners fans think the team should do. He's like, oh, they're mad we're not spending. Well, you know, let's cater to them and make them happy. Let's go sign AJ Pollock to a one-year deal. Like that'll get the job know, done. I don't, I don't think that's how it went. Like somebody was yeah, out there. Yeah, Jerry, really make sure to. Jerry, make sure to get in his car every time a Seattle sports radio station has a caller segment to listen to every single one of those fans go, man, I can't stand this offense, man. We uh, like they're just being too quiet. They're being so cheap. Yeah, like, again, be mad if you want about how they approach the offseason. But I can promise you the reason DePoto signed Pollock was not because, oh, I'm seeing fans complaining like, you know, you can script that. It's just the training wheels right. for How Kelnick much? until he can get his feet under him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think exactly. people would still be complaining if you if they saw what the Mariners were willing to offer for Trey Turner? I mean, I'm sure they were willing to offer a good chunk of change for Trey Turner. He just probably didn't want it, right? If we really, I've heard that he's like, an East Coast guy. If we, yeah. we we look at like we look at like you know Jerry's text messages with with his agent and you know shot him over a couple numbers they might be interested in like. Would people still be complaining if Jerry was like, yeah, we'll give Trey eight for 280? No problem. Would people still be complaining? Right? Trey Turner wasn't going to come here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right, I'll, right. I'll, I'll throw this to you, Connor, because, yeah, it sounded like you were kind of about to say, yeah, he is an East Coast guy. It didn't really seem like he had any interest to be on the West Coast. I mean, the Padres offered him everything, and he still said no. Yeah, exactly. And kind of what you were speaking to earlier about, you know, why didn't we just sign a free agent to a one-year deal? Because it's hard to get guys up here. Um, I, I mean, I love Seattle. I'm sure you guys love Seattle. I don't know what other people have heard about Seattle. That's so bad. Um, and I mean, it's a fun team, really young, you know, very exciting. So to convince a, a free agent to come to Seattle, I think is much easier now than it has been. But, um, yeah, some people just have the preferences. Dansby Swanson. I mean, he was an Atlanta guy. I'm surprised he even left the Braves and went to the, to, to the Cubs. Yeah, his so well, I mean, part of it is the Braves probably didn't want to meet his asking price. And I'm gonna also guess part of it is his 
wife, fiance, one of the two. I yeah. mean, she plays for the, uh, the you know, women, women's MLS soccer team in Chicago. So that might have played a factor too. Yeah. Um, so that was probably part of it. But yeah, I mean, what you hear about free agents not wanting to come to Seattle is it's just between, you know, it's it's far away. The travel schedule can be really tough. I mean, the fact that the team is good now helps because in the past, you know, the reputation was they couldn't do anything right. But right. that's changed a little bit now. Although you still probably have to pay to get guys here just because of there's still roadblocks with, again, traveling and um, some other factors too. Yeah. And then I, I'm curious, I know the, uh, the travel schedules have changed because now every team plays each other. Um, so I think other teams are now traveling more. Some team, teams are traveling less. It's not quite even or anything, but we'll, that might help a little bit. I don't know. Uh, it actually gets worse because Does of the balance schedule. Cause you, yeah, you need to, you take more trips to the East coast and less trips closer to you. The Mariners travel more miles with this balance schedule, which, you know, probably means that this will take a couple of years. And then the Mariners are going to go to major league baseball and say, Hey, like you're screwing us over here because all these other, all like, sure. All those East coast teams have to fly West a handful more times than they normally have to. But you know, we have to take a, a almost every long, every plane ride we have to get on is at least two and a half hours, every single one. And it, there could be months. You don't take a plane trip longer, uh, shorter than four and a half hours. Yeah. The Dodgers get to take a bus down to San Diego. That probably takes two hours. <laughs> and to Anaheim. Yeah, that too. That yeah. too. <laughs> um, you know, if we want here, if we want another question here again, we get, we did get one on Twitter and somebody sent one in. Um, this is kind of a fun one. Three best Mariners jerseys of all time. Somebody wanted to know. I don't know if you like guys want to rank designs. Them. They probably mean you know the color. Or sure, design. Oh, okay, take that how you will. Hmm. Honestly, my my favorite. Com- oh, go ahead, Connor. I was yeah, gonna go say ahead. my my favorite. So first off, I think it'd be awesome if they brought back the Trident. That's a hot take there. Um, uh-huh. I don't think it's cursed like other people do, but. Uh, um, my bit, my favorite Jersey that they currently wear are the white pants and the blue top. That's my personal favorite. Um, then teal would be second. And then I guess the Sunday creams would be th- third. That's for me. But that's current. I'll, I'll tell you what my favorite is. And they're now not even using it anymore. It's those spring training sky blues. Those were always my favorite. And I always wish they'd use them in the regular season and they never did. Those are my favorite. After that, it's it's probably the teals and the Sunday creams. But maybe that's my hot take that I love the spring training sky blues. But those were <laughs> awesome. I I have one of those sky blue jerseys. So, you know, sign me up for those. Uh, I like the teal, teal. You know, teal. You know, I'm just gonna mess with you guys, and I'm just gonna say the the the. Uh, what were those jerseys called? They were like turn ahead to the future uniforms. Oh those no, were just awesome. Those were those were just amazing. And then the um, what is it? The, yeah. What those. were the throwback uniforms they wore last year? Was it the Steelheads? Yeah. Yeah, the Steelheads. Oh, those are awesome. They those should wear cool. those once a month. Those you are, know, those were clean. They were crisp. They like the 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 the, the color mix on there was perfect. 
how do we think the City Connect jerseys are going to come out? Because we have no idea what they're going to look like. It's all been guesses to this point. I feel like usually the Mariners are pretty good about designing jerseys, but like I have no idea. I'm just kind of waiting on my toes for this one. So uh, we saw the leak. I think it was in the offseason. Yeah, this offseason where it showed the Braves City Connects and then also leak for the Mariners. And mm-hmm. the Braves were accurate. That's what they theirs actually are. The, the Mariners, it looks just like the Pilots. Mm. which I personally am, am just not a fan of oh, because okay. I mean, the pirate, the pilots became the brewers. Right. Um, yeah, that's, I really wish they could incorporate the, the space needle or, you know, something Northwest versus just going back to the pilots themed. Mm-hmm. I just hope they don't put like a, a stupid color on there. That's what I, that's what I dread. I see too many. Um, yeah, I see too many bad uh bad uniforms. They've had some uh the, some some shaky some shaky uniform decisions as they come along. But like, you know, some of these city connect jerseys have been super nice. So and then some of them have turned out like the Red Sox ones. So I hope it's not right. like that. <laughs> right. But the Red Sox ones are like the blue and yellow ones. Yeah, they yeah, look the like yellow. UCLA. Yeah. What do you Where's guys think about the been- Padres City Connects? Oh, Do you like those, them or those not? are sick. Yeah, I love those. Yeah, those are pretty sick. Honest. It's very, the, uh, very Southern California. Are we talking about the, uh, what do you call them? The tropical ones, like the pink, green, like yeah, those? Yeah, pink, green, yellow, yeah. I like them. I thought they were really cool. I know they were a little polarizing, but yeah, I like them. I mean, I, I also yeah. like the Seahawks action green, so maybe I'm just a fan of the bright colors, so. <laughs> I just have like PTSD thinking back to the last players weekend that, major league baseball did and they're like okay we have this great idea to let every team and every player be as creative as humanly possible this weekend we're going to make all jerseys for all 30 teams either black or white yeah that was ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) i wish they could another one of your just brilliant ideas (laughs) i wish they could customize their shoes kind of like what they did during the players weekends to where, you know, you can add your flair to it. Yeah. I mean, cause what were those, the Mariners did have some type of, yeah, the players weekend jerseys, what those were like teal and the Navy blue. Like if they could somehow combine some combination of that to make the city connect jerseys, like, I feel like I'd like those. I like, and, and like you guys said, add something with the city to the jerseys, add the space needle, add Pike place, something like that. Yeah. Go back to (laughs) Colton Wong talk. Okay. Fake name. Who, who is playing second? Like who's going to play second? Who's going to, who's on first? What's on second? Yeah. Like, tell me who's playing second base is Tommy Lestelle. Would you rather watch Tommy Lestelle over Colton Wong? Like again, yeah. If your answer is, Oh, well we should have signed Marcus Semyon last year. Like, yeah. Like you, you think everybody didn't want Marcus Semyon? I mean, I wanted Marcus Semyon, but this is this is the best option they've got. So. Oh God! <laughs> if this happened, I would revoke my fandom. I I would probably I've done this before. Uh, I've had a little bit of a self boycott of watching Mariners baseball. That would happen again. <laughs> you you want to tell people why? No, I don't think it would be very popular <laughs> in this public forum. <laughs> Well, it did work uh, though. It 
in a long story short, TJ was sick of watching Ichiro play at like 45 years old. And he's like, I'm sick of him taking at bats. <laughs> it had gotten to the point where they're putting him into hit in crucial situations late in games against high leverage relievers. And he looked like just the most overmatched guy in the world. I'm like these guys come out here and say they're trying to win games. And they're like, okay, Ichiro is going to hit, is going to hit in this big spot. And you could throw him like 89 down the middle and he was missing it. Like, come so on. I guess he did get, yeah. he did uh, retire <laughs> about what, two week, two, three weeks into my, um, into my boycott. It, it was effective. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So uh, oh, going back God. to the, go, going back to this real quick. Um, what Wild do you think about knows what comment I just watched? I just looked at. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, let's see. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Ty. Okay, so this is about <sighs> Connor. Is this about Ty France being the second baseman? Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, that that would be interesting moving Ty to second, but that means that. Like Evan White's injured, he's obviously going to be out for a while. He hasn't performed. Who else in the minor leagues as a bat potentially? Are we going to see Zach Deloach anytime? I mean, no. you know, the outfield is is log jammed. Ty so France isn't built like a second baseman anymore. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like he's a very different player than the guy that came over from San Diego back in 2020. Like he's he's bulkier now, not in a bad way. But he's just he's more built like a first baseman. I don't think he has the range to be yeah. playing second base much anymore. I don't even know how much third base he could be playing anymore, which is fine. He's a good first baseman. Like we know he's good defensively over there. But it's not as simple as, oh, well, he can just slide back over to second base. There's just not that many options. Again, everybody was ready to be done with Adam Frazier after last year, which despite the big hit against the Blue Jays, yeah, you understand. I mean, Toro wasn't the answer. Oh, I know, yeah, I know who's sending in these questions. Um, like some of Toro's underlying numbers last year through the first like month and a half actually weren't terrible. And TJ hated the sound of those words because it never came to any, fruition. I have to say is just continued to play well or play badly. Is S gold a burner name? Yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then I know he's um, sending these questions. Who <laughs> said there's only one person. I know that sentence has come out who has spoke that sentence to me. <laughs> in a positive manner so um but yeah there's just there's just uh, not that many options that's like the sturdiest option they've had since robbie left just between again they had toro they had frazier they you know they've had so many guys have tried to make it work they even like shed long who was a fan favorite and i like shed long but he wasn't an everyday guy so it's kind of colton wong or or nobody at this point right Cool. Um, let's see here. Were there any other questions on your guys' Twitter? Uh, I think we got that one. I don't know if there was any others. Is there anything else we haven't talked about? Honestly, I mean, we could we could touch on Kelnick here for a minute because, I mean, we, we talked about him a little bit, but we weren't – I mean, I don't know if we really broke down what this last week entailed for him, which is, again, like he is absolutely turning into the all of a sudden the prospect that everybody thought he could once be. Yeah, and I just made a video today uh, talking about his moonshot. And uh, yeah, I mean, heading into 2021, he was ranked the top, the fourth overall prospect in baseball. Julio was fifth. Mm -hmm. So Julio right now is doing what the Mariners fan base and what we expected Kelnick to be or to do. And 
with Julio now showing what he can do, there's no ceiling for him. Kelnick, if, if he can really come come to to his own and and perform like we expect him to, there's also no ceiling for him technically. So, also I want to gauge real quick. When, when do you think it'll be Julio Kelnick one two? I still um, think, or never. <laughs> okay, so I think for now they'll continue to leave Kelnick around that six spot just to again not right throw too much pressure on him early. It's like oh you've had a little bit of a taste of success. Now let's ask that much more of you. Because if you remember, they kind of mismanaged him when he came up. They asked him to hit lead off the day of his debut. And I think that was just too much to ask of him, combined with the fact that he had not played enough minor league games, as was evident from his struggles. Now, if he's hitting like this in June, you might see a move back up. Because, again, that being said, there was a reason they event- they hit him lead off when he came up. It was with the idea of, Guys like Acuna hit leadoff. George Springer hits leadoff. I mean, there's a reason they hit Julio leadoff. That Ichiro type of leadoff hitter, you don't always see that anymore. Like, you'll see guys with pop hit toward the top of the lineup just to get a more at bat. So I still think if Kelnick pans out, they like that idea. I will say if he's still hitting in mid-June, it doesn't even have to be this level. If he's still productively hitting and producing in mid-June, yeah, you'll see him move up in the lineup. I think it depends on the guys in front of him too, because it might not be he moves up in the lineup just for the sake of moving up. He would move up as a lefty to sandwich between a Suarez and a Teoscar Hernandez, probably, because that's how Scott likes constructing his lineups. That's mm-hmm. that's what it would be, right? In the absolute best case scenario, you know, he's they slide Julio down to two, move him up to one, or they move him to two and Julio stays number one. I don't know what it would be. I don't think it gets to that this year. I don't think they would. I would be kind of surprised if Jared Kelnick's hitting second at any point this year, unless there's just so many injuries where they have no choice but to put him there. Um, but you know, I, it's, I had it's something we're just gonna have to yeah. see as the as the season goes along. I just saw one of the spring training lineups with uh, Julio Kelnick, and I started thinking about it. That would be pretty cool if that did happen. But um, yeah, Kelnick right now he's uh, so Cal Rowling and Kelnick are 27th and 28th respectively in barrels per uh, barrels divided by plate appearances, the percentage. Um, and then also Kelnick is 13th in hard hit percentage in MLB, 61% hard hit percentage, 28th in average ex- exit velocity, 21.7% of the time he hits the ball, it's a barreled ball, and he's 18th in OPS right now. So. He, he's tearing the cover off the ball. I mean, yeah. if he has another few good games. He could win AL player of the week this week. I think what's so impressive about it for me is like, you just watch these at bats. We talked about this on the podcast. We just released today. We were recapping the week that he had had like his, he, everything just looks cleaner. He's so much more calm. The fact he's reading pitch shape and spin the way he is right now is pretty incredible. For my money, Emmanuel Classe right now is the best reliever in baseball. He was throwing Jared Kelnick some nasty stuff in that ninth inning of the game they lost. And this isn't the double he hit. This was the at-bat where he walked, and it led to an insurance run before they lost the lead. He worked eight pitches in that at-bat. He was spitting on sliders in the dirt. The old Jared Kelnick chases those. Like The, the amount that he has fixed and improved in one offseason is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, speaking to that also, just his mindset, and you can tell that there's been a change mentally. Like, if you look at his uh, interview after the game today, instead of 
if you think back last year to that, you know, home run that he had, I think he was called up pretty soon before this happened. And then he hit that game winning or, you know, game tying home run late. And he just came in like tackling guys and like fired up today. Mm -hmm. he's super level headed after every time he hits home run, instead of being completely juiced, he's just, it's just another, you know, he expects it to happen. And when it happens, mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low anymore. Yeah, and he still the he thing still is, breaks out the smile. He broke out the smile yeah, today, in the kind dugout, of, which was awesome. <laughs> it was Jen Mueller smile. was trying to get a smile out of him post game, <laughs> and he was he was not really giving it. And he was like, yeah. he was as stoic as possible. So so not in the post game, but they caught some shots of him in the dugout, like with the with the rest of the guys, and he was smiling pretty pretty much ear to ear there. Yeah, in that interview, he would not do it. Yeah. <laughs> What's kind of refreshing to see is. Now, like the process is the same, but it doesn't seem like the power has really gone any, anywhere. The one thing you could say Jared Kelnick really added once he got to the majors is he was like a pretty decent home run hitter in the minors, but he's like, like a legit power threat in the major leagues. Like he has some legit power to, to all fields. I mean, you don't see left-hand hitters hit home runs pole to pole anymore. You don't see that. I mean, Jordan Alvarez does it, but Jordan Alvarez is a giant and, you know, a top five hitter in baseball. That doesn't really happen. And what we saw with Jared Kelnick against the Cubs, I mean, he goes he goes straight out to right field. He goes left center. And then he goes, you know, 482 to dead center field. I mean, guys don't do that. They don't. It's not from the left side, especially. So the, the, the seeing that power stay with him is, is awesome to see. Now, he needs to sustain it. Two months. Let's check back in in, in mid-June. I want to see what Jared Kelnick's slash line looks like in mid-June when he's well, let's say he's had like a slump for a week. How is he going to respond from that? If he's, you know, has a really bad game where he goes over four with four strikeouts, how is he bouncing back from that? Right. How, how's he doing that? Connor, have you ever seen somebody reach the center field bleachers at Wrigley? I've never seen it. I probably haven't watched enough Cubs games, but also no, it, there was the Cubs broadcasters that were talking about it and they don't think they've seen a ball go that far or reach that spot in, in the bleachers. So that tells you, tells you something. I think Sammy Sosa has hit that roof right in front of the bleachers a couple times, but mm -hmm. I don't know, like that wasn't just into the bleachers. That was like five rows up into the center field bleachers. That was wild. And then, and then also speaking to that right before him, Teo Teoscar Hernandez almost hit it out of the ballpark. He was like two rows away from being out of the stadium. Yeah, and amazingly maybe, yeah. enough, that home run was 60 feet shorter than Jared's. 63 that's feet. <laughs> that's what that's what gets lost in the fold today. I mean, if Kelnick doesn't hit the ball to the moon, we're probably sitting here talking about Tay Oscar and how, you know, he's been a little bit up and down through the first couple of weeks, which is okay. I mean, he has enough of a profile in history to know that he's probably going to have a good year. But that ball he hit today was scorched. It just got forgot about in about 30 seconds because Kelnick, the very next at bat, you know, <laughs> sent it to the bleachers in the center field. But it's hey, Oscar, that ball was a rocket. And that was 97 out of the zone. Yeah. So. Yeah, and he got on top of it. Yeah. Just think about the guys who are at, like, the, at the top of the home run leaderboard. I think he's, like, he's only behind Stanton this year. I think it was this year. I Saw right. something. I'm going off the top of my head here. I think Stanton hit one 485. John Carlos Stanton is six foot seven, what, 260? And and how big's Jared, right? Not six seven, two sixty. Just yeah. it's just incredible. It just it just shows you the power he can generate with that swing. 
maybe a good way to kind of put a bow on this. There is one more good question in here if we want to take a look at it. Um, it's, yeah. Yeah, picking your all-time Mariners infield. That could be a fun way to kind of cap this thing because there's some, you know, it's, you know, it's funny before we start this, we did a TikTok on this in the off season. TJ did it and somebody had JP Crawford as their all-time Mariner shortstop. And there's all these comments like on the original one that was like, well, well, where's A-Rod? Where do you have A-Rod? It's like, well, I don't like A-Rod. I'm not putting him on there. It's like, well, who cares if you don't like him? You're going to sit here and say (laughs) A-Rod was worse than JP Crawford. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what to tell you on that one. Um, I'd have to think on that one, to be honest. Okay. let's Yeah, let's see if I can kind of spitball one here off the top of my head. Uh, I don't need to spitball for one position. A-Rod is my shortstop. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, and Kyle Seeger is probably the third baseman, right? Yeah. So there's two. Would you take John Olerud? He'd be I'm one. taking Abe Toro at second. There you go. Yeah. Jared Kelnick in left field. Yeah. <laughs> um, it would be like Olrude. You could argue Tino Martinez. It would probably be one of those two guys. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'll go with Olrude at first. Edgar DH. Yeah, Edgar DH. Robbie at second. You know. Yeah, I'd probably put Robbie at second. Yeah. <laughs> it might be Cal Raleigh at catcher. I'm not going to lie. Big dumper. I mean, he, he looks solid. He's great at great at defense and framing, and then the potential pop that he has there. He hits the ball hard. So Cal yeah. Cal might have slightly higher upside, like probably has a bit higher upside than like say Dan Wilson, but Dan Wilson was better than well, Cal Raleigh. I mean, Cal just hasn't played enough. Okay. I was gonna say, so you mean like, like career as a whole? I yeah, said, look, but I said Cal's upside is higher, so that's probably what you judge on. I in that TikTok, I said I'd take Cal Raleigh because Go look at all-time Mariners catchers. You're looking at some pretty bad players. <laughs> so having Cal Raleigh there is like, well, they finally have a good catcher. Why, why not? Um, but yeah, I think Robbie's a slam dunk second baseman. If you get salty at Robbie because he cheated, like, so what? So did A-Rod, and he's our starting shortstop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, there's uh, guys in the Hall of Fame that that juice. Like, it's just right. fact. Um yeah, so is that our consensus here around the infield? We're going Raleigh, Olrude, Robbie. Who's on the mound? A- Ooh, now that, see, I mean, it's one of two guys, but it's a debate. This is this is the question that really kicked the hornet's nest. So what I said, based on, I said based on Mariner's career, I said I'd take Felix. Mariner's career. That's it. Mariner's career, I would take Felix. Now it depends. Are we picking full careers or Mariners' career with this list? Uh, you'd have to say Mariners, probably, right? When they were on the Mariners. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, so Mariners' like, career as a whole. What Randy won one Cy Young with the M's. Felix won one Cy Young. It probably should have been two, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, again, if, sure. If you take Randy's career with the D-backs, then go right ahead but it's just yeah i'm taking felix if it's just mariner's career as a whole for sure i'd have to say king felix yeah all right so we've got our we've we've got our all-time m's infield in batteries raleigh and felix around the infield it's olrude robbie a rod seager it's a pretty good infield there we go love it yeah 
Awesome. Well, uh, I think that'll do it for this one. Thank, thank you guys for joining us today. And uh, yeah, great conversation. If you guys are watching, make sure to go f uh, follow Marine Layer Podcast on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, all their, their platforms. And uh, we'll do this again soon. Yeah, Connor, thank thanks Connor. for having us. It's, yeah, it's a blast. I mean, I, I say this all the time to either people we talk to in our comments, people we see at the stadium. Like one of the cool things about doing this, about at least for TJ and I starting this podcast is, is we like talking with other Mariners fans. We like to kind of pick the brains of as many people as we can and get different opinions. And it's a yeah. whole community out there. So, you know, to find somebody like you that's doing similar stuff to what we're doing, it's, it's been fun to do. So we, we appreciate you having us on. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Appreciate it guys. We'll uh, see you guys later.